You know, Wednesday night we, we had communion and, and Pastor Pam had a great word. And I'm going to share a little bit and reference some of that as we go. And, and really, Wednesdays have been fantastic, probably because Pastor Pam's been preaching most of them. So, um, but it's, uh, Wednesdays have been really good. The word's been great. And as we rolled through the end of the year last year and into this year, they're, they're matched with, sun, with Sunday. I mean, they're really encouraging. And, and I, would, I, would, I would encourage you to come to really be blessed. But this, this particular message that she shared talking about pray and, pray, pray and preach was Wednesday night, and you can, get the, you can get the CD or you can listen online as we go, and there, as, as I was getting ready uh, for communion on Wednesday night, I, you know, I, it's one of those things, I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm like you, if, if God's asked me to do something, I just, I just pray and ask him, and he, he shows me what to do or shows me what to say, and, and as, as he began to kind of steer my, 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 my direction uh, that day, he took me to Ephesians in chapter 3, and I thought, well, yeah, this, is, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture, and I, and I really enjoy reading it, but I don't, it doesn't f- necessarily fit communion, you know, and talking about the fact that Jesus died, and he gave us, you know, all of his goods and all of his victory, and he poured it in our life, and when we take communion, we do so in remembrance of him and all the good things that he's done for us and, and the, the position that he's put us in and those things. And then as I read it, I, I really began to see that, you know, that it really does fit that. That as you read through this particular passage, in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3, it says, For this I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for or from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to his riches. So he's basically, it says he would grant you or give you. A grant's nice. Everybody wants a grant. I found that out when I was in college, and I was going through there when they gave me some loans, and they gave me some grants. And I went to the lady to sign for my grant, and she gave me the check, and I said, well, who do I pay this back to? And she said, son, that's a grant. You don't have to pay that back to anybody. And I said, whoa, for real? I need more of those. Get rid of the loans and give me some more of those grants. That's what I'm looking for. Because we didn't have anything, man. My dad had paid for a lot of our college, but we were moving on. And, you know, when you're in college six, eight years, he stops paying. So um, that's why my kid's out in four. But we, uh, so we were, we, we, we were, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't, we didn't work. You know, we were just really struggling. And so we got grants, and they were free. And that was free money. And it came from somebody else's riches. I didn't know who it came from. I didn't, it's, frankly, I didn't care. KFC grant. I don't care. Make it, pay me in chicken. It doesn't matter. I'm... As long as it's free, I'm, I'm willing to receive and accept whatever that is. So, but this says that he is going to grant us that same kind of thing. He's going to grant us, according to his riches, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And really, at Calvary, that's kind of what happened. Jesus, he gained all of those things, the victory and the riches and all of that. And then he cedes it to us or gives it to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we celebrate when we talk about communion. And as we go through here, then it also goes on. I like strengthened in the inner man. Many times we want to see the strength on the outside, but God has strengthened us on the inside. Why? Well, in 2 Corinthians, you know, it says that, that the outward man is perishing. Yet it's the inward man that's being perfected. The outward man, this body of ours, is perishing. But the inward man isn't. You know, Jerry yesterday, Jerry Smith, he's alive and well in heaven today. But his body was in that place, and it's going to decay. And it's not, you know, it's actually going to be cremated. But it's, I mean, it would decay. Your body decays and goes away. But your spirit, you live forever and only get better. You only get better. See, as God, we're going to talk about God filling us. As God fills us up with the fullness of who he is, really, truly, that's like everybody else wanted to know what the fountain of youth was. That's the fountain of youth because that's how your youth is renewed like the eagle's. 
not the youth that says I'm going to live forever like Ponce de Leon, but the, but the youth that says I'm going to live forever with him in heaven, becoming who he created me to be and in all of his glory and in all of his fullness. That's my youth being restored in that direction, not this physical body. So I don't have to start pulling my face back and doing all that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong if that's what God tells you to do. But, you know, I, I, I ask for... I, I, well, that's another thing you don't want to know. Anyway. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I asked the kids for some cream <laughs> for Father's Day. What can we get you for Father's Day? And I said, some wrinkle cream. <laughs> and they just looked at me. So... I got some, but I was, I was scared to use it because apparently it pulls on your face. And I don't want wrinkles, but I don't want something pulling on me either because I don't like to feel like I'm tight because that, you know, that's, that's not good. I have no idea where I am. But it goes on and it says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is what you get when you get me doing a funeral all morning and I'm busy all day and then I show up make it a, whatever it is. But it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So why does that? Faith works by love. So it's, it's impossible really for us to say that, our, that, our, that we trust Christ and that we have Christ, that he dwells in our life through faith if we don't operate in love. Because faith is activated. Faith works by love. And it says may, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, this isn't just a comprehension that says, I get it. This is a comprehension that says, I know it. This is a comprehension that says, I, 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 I'm, I'm not just past my, my mental knowledge of what the Scripture says or what, what is written here, but, but a, a heartfelt, spirit-led understanding and knowing on the inside of us. The, as it goes on. And we'll be able to comprehend the width and the length and the depth and the height of His goodness, of His faithfulness, but of His love. To know the love of God, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And really, God, I mean, when, we, when I finally got to that last scripture, as I went back through there, th- that was for me. I like the next, you know, the one that says, now to God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think. And we always want to rush to get to there. But realize the reason why we're giving God all the praise for being able to do all the things that we can't ask or think is because we have been filled with the fullness of God. See, he is, we understand his love. We comprehend it beyond who we are as human beings. But spiritually, we comprehend it. We know who we are, the width, the depth, the height. You know, that's all those dimensions and all those. I mean, we are, we are rolling in what he created us to roll in. And he is pouring out into our lives and filling us, like Lori said earlier. He's filling us to fullness and to overflow. And in our life, that's being filled with the fullness of God. Now I know that. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I ask, hope, or think. It's that, it's that shake. If many of you have been here before for, for years, you've, you've heard Pastor Bill use his, his shake machine. You know that in the shake machine, in the, in the restaurants, the, the bad stuff, actually there's bad stuff in, in McDonald's shakes. does not taste like it. But now every time for some reason I watch some show, and every time I eat something or drink something, I realize it's a chemical. It doesn't taste good because it's good. It didn't, that Snickers bar didn't grow on a tree. Parts of it did, but the rest of it's chemicals, and it's probably not good for me. This shake did not come out of a cow. They've done something to it. And really, truly, if you left it in the house, it probably wouldn't melt because it's probably not real. But on the inside, there's bad stuff. 
Pastor Bill talked about it. You know, there used to be bacteria and things, and you couldn't get it because the bacteria would break up. And, you know, it relates to our life and really the way that God deals with us and the way that God chooses many times to, to fix us, if, if we will, you know, use that word fix. But it, it, he, you try to get the bacteria out, it all falls out. But Pastor Bill, in his wisdom, he realized that if you pour the good stuff in, all the bad stuff on top doesn't break up and fall to the bottom, it comes out. And this is God's fullness being poured in you. And if we'll allow him to do that in our life, then as he pours in his goodness, as he pours in his mercy, as he pours in his grace, as he pours in his healing, as he pours in his blessing, as he pours in his abundance, his wisdom, all of those things, all of the other stuff has to leave. So that this year we open ourselves up to be totally, completely filled with the fullness of God. That means there's not going to be anything left. All the junk has to leave. So that when we're in those situations and now we're squeezed and situations of stress and anxiety and those things begin to present themselves to us, we respond with the stuff that's on the inside, which is the what? The fullness of God, which comes from what? The comprehension of his love, that we're walking and acting and rooted and grounded in love. So that when we're squeezed, that comes out and not the other stuff. I think many times people say, you got to help me my temper. You got to be filled with love. Because if you're squeezed when you're full of love, love comes out. You don't punch them, you hug them. Oh, you just hit brain. Oh, yeah, you got a problem? Come on, buddy. What's the matter? She just gave you a little tap. How about that? Your sister just turned on you. You're probably thinking she needs to go back to Indianapolis. You all right? Huh, you still love her? That a boy. See, he's getting it. You responded. He responded in love. Nice job. Give you a star today. <laughs> Did he just hit you when I wasn't looking? No, you wouldn't do that, would you, Austin? No, you're a good boy. Austin's like Matt to you. He can't do wrong. He can't do wrong in my eyes. That kid's always right. I don't know what it is. But the word fullness, if you look at the definition of the word fullness, it means the condition of being filled to capacity. Totally qualified. Now, this was the second part of this that goes on. We think of being filled. We think of something like a pail being filled with sand, totally full. We get that, full to capacity. But it goes on, and, and other parts of that definition mean totally qualified. And it says that he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. See, he has qualified us. We're totally qualified. Why? Because we're, we're walking in the fullness of God. And it says accepted or empowered or complete compete completed in every particular area pleroma is the greek and that means full of number full of complement full of measure it means that which has been completed now the opposites of all those things are emptiness see the opposites of those things are incompleteness and we come to christ completely empty and we come to to christ completely incomplete That's how we come to him. And then he starts a work in us, like we prayed earlier, that the work that he's begun in you, that he won't stop until it's fulfillment or until it's completeness. It means unsoundness is another antonym to fullness. It says in in, in, in in 2 Timothy 1.7 that we're not walking in the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a what? A sound mind. Well, how can we walk with a sound mind? Because we're filled with the fullness of God. You know, we sing a song that says, show me your glory. I want to know it like Moses did. Well, then we can't be walking in sin in our life. See, show me. We want that. We see that. You know, it's easy in this place, like we've talked about many, many times, because in this place, we're usually doing what's right. We're not sinning in our mind. We're not saying bad stuff. We're not doing bad things. We're trying to stay right because everybody's looking at us and we're in church. 
Had somebody say that a few weeks ago in church. You're lucky I'm in church, they said on the phone. And I thought, well, what would you do if you weren't in church? I mean, it's the, we're, we're in church. <laughs> I tell you what, you lucky I'm in church. Call me, cursing me like that, and was going to give it to him. And I was like, oh, 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 hey, Pastor John, that's me. <laughs> see, what, 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 why is it, see, all of a sudden we go right out of the fullness of God. Somebody pokes you with a stick and you go right out of it. Well, that's impossible then to have that glory like Moses did. It makes it difficult. See, but God, he pours out his, he pours out his glory. He pours out his abundance. He pours out his anointing. He pours out his presence. He pours out his provision. He pours out his wisdom. You can go through the, you can go through the word and find all these places. You know, he pours it out, he pours it out, he pours it out. Well, where is he pouring it? Into vessels? In the Old Testament, you can go back and you can look and you can read in Exodus in chapter 40, and it's right when the, the, the tabernacle was about to be completed and finished. And, and it said that the glory of God filled the tabernacle. So much so that they couldn't go in. It says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled it. Now, Jesus had not yet come. He had not yet been glorified. That's a long way to go before we are able to be in the presence of God and have him co-inhabitate us and our lives. Moses just a guy, but he's a special guy. See, if you go back a couple pages there to, to Exodus chapter 38, 31, sorry, talking about, it, it's Bezalel, or Bezalel, and, and, and we used this scripture last year sometime, I can't remember when it was, but it was God speaking to Moses, and he said, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and knowledge and in all the manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to do the work in gold and silver and in bronze. See, he, he, God did that throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament too. Early, if you look at Elizabeth and you look at, look at, look at John the Baptist, it said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's different. It's not the, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit like we know from Pentecost. It was a fulfillment before that that was, was allowing you or enabling you many times to do a work or to share as more of a prophetic type thing, whether it be with words or whether it be with, with giftings that you had on the inside of me. But here's the thing that I want us to see. This idea that said he filled, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He poured himself out in the tabernacle to a point where it was full of his presence. And then if you look in 1 Kings in chapter 8, it's the same type of story, the same type of thing. Really, it was God as they were building the temple and finishing the temple, but they were bringing in, in verse 1 of chapter 8, it says, Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the fathers of the children of Israel to King Solomon in, Ju- in Jerusalem, and that they might bring the Ark of the Covenant, which represented and was the presence of God for them. They were going to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the city of David, which is in Zion. They were bringing it into the temple. Then the priest, it says, brought the Ark of the Covenant in verse 6. They brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. And in verse 10 it says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. And we sing, Show us your glory. Fill the house with that 
what we would use or people have used in the past in TV and movies and things, that tangible, misty presence that, that represents him in the place. Just because you open your eyes and you don't see a mist doesn't mean that he's not with you. Just because you open your eyes and you, and you, don't, you, know, you don't feel goosebumps or whatever, that doesn't mean he's not with you. He, he fills us with his, with his presence, completely filled with the fullness of God. And it says, it was so full of the presence of the Lord that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. You've been in places like that. Maybe you've walked into places. You know, people have said that many times, second service, they come in here and say, wow, what happened? Well, I don't know, I don't know, what, what, you know, I don't know, we prayed for people and God moved, it was good, you know, I, how do you know? It just felt something. So there was just something different. You've been to people's house, or you've been to other meetings, or you've been to other places where you've walked in and thought, whoa. Well, how does, how does that come to be? You know, how does that happen? Well, you get a bunch of people, in our case, in a church, praising God, lifting up His name, worshiping in one accord, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, lifting up His name, and He begins to pour Himself out in this place. In your house, it's the idea that we shut off all the things that we shouldn't have running through our house, that we cut off the sin in our life and the things that so easily ensnare us, that we focus on Jesus to the point where we are open to him pouring all those things into our life. You carry a precious gift. It's the presence of God. We each carry that gift in our life. See, it says that the the presence of God filled the temple. But if you go and and you begin to look and you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says that actually we are the temple of the what? The Holy Spirit. And God just God filled the temple in the Old Testament that way. Does He not want to fill the New Testament that way? See, He wants to fill us, each and every one of us, with that, that presence and that glory and with that fullness of who He is and poured into our life. Because we're the temples, just like that was the temple. See, they, they could the people couldn't because because Jesus hadn't been glorified. The people had problems. You know, and had issues, and God filled certain people and certain things for prophetic reasons and for giftings and talents, like we said earlier. You know, and Elizabeth and, and Zacharias and, you know, John, that whole family there, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, but it was really, truly uh, uh, different than what it was when we came to Acts. But see, when we came to Acts, that brought us into a whole new world and put us in a whole new place. First of all, we could become saved now, which was, was rule in part number one. Because that's the thing that makes us righteous. That's the thing that makes us, if you will, an ark. See, because without that, you're not an ark. The presence of God couldn't go anywhere that wasn't perfect. The presence of God in that ark was the place where it had to go. And and if you touched it and you were full of sin in your life, you died. Well, when we come to Christ, we're full of sin in our life. So there's a process here. If God's going to pour out his fullness in our lives, we have to first come to him and say, I'm yours. Jesus dies on the cross. He goes to sit at the right hand of the Father. He, he, he makes a way for us to be adopted into that household and be brought into that same place. Now we are pure vessels before him, righteous. See, now it says we are made the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now we are in the place where God can do what? pour all this fullness in us that's good stuff now all of a sudden i can begin to see myself as the i, I can receive that i mean we even look at moses and say yeah yeah look i, I want to see it like moses did but i'm not moses 
You know, I, I love the, being at the temple with Solomon and all that. When all those things were happening, that'd be awesome. But man, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not the priest. I'm not the. I'm not Solomon. I'm not those, uh, In today's world, see now in today's word in a New Testament church, yes, you are. It says we are all made kings and priests. He has put you in this place for a purpose and for a reason to carry His presence. They wanted that ark. They kept trying to get that ark. When that ark moved, people did stuff. Why? Because it was the presence of God. They wanted it in their possession. They couldn't have it personally in their lives, but they wanted it in the possession of their tribes. They wanted it in the possession of the children of Israel. Why? Because it represented the presence of God. In our lives, we've got to want the presence of God that strongly that we will fight for it, that we will battle, that we will protect it, that we will lay our life down for it. Why? Because that presence of God is what keeps us going and keeps us moving and keeps us being. That he would fill us with all fullness of God. In Acts in chapter 2, this is where things begin to change. In Acts in chapter 2, as they were sitting, the day of Pentecost, in verse 1, it said, had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, mush, a rushing mighty wind. Not a mushy wind. It was a rushing wind. And not a Russian wind. It didn't say nit. It was, it was rushing And it did what? It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Again, God did what? Filled. It's that word. Filled, filled, filled. In Ephesians chapter 3, that we are not just the fullness of God, but that we are filled with the fullness of God. That idea that says, He doesn't just give us a couple drops in a big five-gallon bucket. He fills it. But he doesn't just, like Pastor Pam said, give us a little finances here, a little finances there. It actually says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, if you go past the part that says that, that in all your ways acknowledge him and all those things, it goes on and says, and your vats will be full. He will pour out, uh, in, in Malachi chapter 3, he will open the windows of heaven, he will pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. That means full. Getting full? I mean, it's full. Now, think about Thanksgiving. When you pack it all down and you're so uncomfortable that, you know, your pants have to come unbuttoned a little bit, but you're still going to eat the pie. And then you're like, you're going you're gonna to be miserable because you're so what? Full. Have you seen that commercial, the Subway commercial, where the guy eats the hamburger and the button pops off and it knocks the guy in the eyeball across from him? It's great. See, you're so full full you're so full that you're busting out now that goes along with december when we talked about if you're that full then begin to pour it out and you'll never run dry like we talked about in the beginning of january but it's that idea that says he filled the whole house with a mighty rushing wind then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one set upon each one of them and then they were what filled with the holy spirit began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But they were filled. And Peter goes on to say. See, Peter goes on to say. He, he, he says that, that message, and we've talked about it a bunch lately in chapter 2. But then as he gets brought in, and they're, in, they're arrested and they're in trouble, he's getting ready to talk to them right before it begins, you know, as, as chapter 4 kind of moves through the middle. As, as he gets to that point, he says, it says, Peter, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. 
Why is that important? Because he understands and comprehends the width and the depth and the height of God's love because Jesus has, has totally eradicated his mistakes and his, his mess-ups. He's taken him out from being the guy who denied him three times, put him in this great place where now he can receive the absolute manifest presence of God poured into his life by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now he understands some things. He comprehends the love of God beyond just a knowledge. He knows it did something for him. It saved him and changed him. And now as he begins to speak, he knows he is speaking the truth. See, I I don't have anything to give you before all this went down. I was actually wretched. I I denied Christ three times. I was messed up. I was not right. I had issues and problems. But I am telling you what, He has set me free. He has changed me. He has forgiven me. His love has cleansed me. I am righteous before Him today. He has now given me the gift of the power of the the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He has placed it on the inside of me. So I am different. I am changed. I am full. I am absolutely filled and sated with the full fullness of God and so what I have I will give you boom in the name of Jesus Christ now rise up talk to the next guy I don't know what to say to you but I do know this I am filled with the Holy Spirit and something has happened to me I he is a different guy from that day as they go and they pray for boldness like we talked about January 1 it says then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and you say well that's awesome they were all with Jesus. You know, they were all walking with him. They were all, you know, they knew some stuff. I don't really necessarily know some stuff. But he can empower you today just like he did Peter that day. And you can say, well, I, you know, I haven't been the greatest of people. I haven't done those. Well, look at Paul. Pastor Pam used that in Acts chapter 9. She talked about that a little bit on Wednesday night. That as, as, as <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was Ananias who came to him and said, God, I'm not going to that dude. Are you kidding? He kills Christians. I, <laughs> let him be blind. Stumble in the woods. I don't care. He get what he deserves. <laughs> hey, my problem. <laughs> Got to be obedient. So he's like, all right, I'll do it. But man, you better do something here because this is a bad guy. Paul was a bad dude. He was the baddest of the bad. He was killing and persecuting Christians and doing all that kind of stuff. Well, I haven't been to Bible school. Well, Paul, he, he didn't go to Bible school. He went to two-day school or three-day school. He didn't. He didn't. He, he's, it's Ananias, it says in verse 17 of chapter 9, said, went his way and entered the house. Probably shaking in his boots a little, but, you know, he's confident. And laying his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has, <laughs> as you came, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a bad guy, but he's about to do some great things for the Lord. But what has to happen first? He's got to be filled. So he says, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, immediately there fell from his eyes something that looked like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose, and he was baptized. Right there, bucket of water on the thing. I mean, it was done. And he was probably happy to have it done. He was ready to go. Something, see, something had changed. Now, it talks about in Ephesians chapter 3. It's a process in our lives as we kind of grow through these things. I, I understand that. But there's something about the infilling of the Holy Spirit that accelerates that process in our life. See, that takes us from this, it just accelerates things. Paul, in this particular minute, 
After that happened, it says, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. But then in verse 20, as Pastor Pam talked about on Wednesday night, said, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues. Well, what did he preach? What the Holy Spirit told him to preach, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so now he is much like Peter. He didn't walk with Jesus, Paul. He, he, he was Saul. He was a bad guy. He's Paul now. But he didn't, he didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't know all that stuff. But the power of the Holy Spirit revealed those things to him as he continued to move and grow in it. It doesn't mean you have to get somewhere 10 years down the road before you do something. You can do something today. We can, we can have God pour it in us and through us today. Yes, next week might be different. Yes, next year might be different. You might know some more stuff. You might have more revelation of the Word of God. But I am telling you what, He will fill you to the, to the point that you can be filled right now with His manifest presence of God. And then it says, immediately He preached the Christ and brought people to salvation. It was such a change that I'm sure when He walked into a church, more than one person took off out the back door. <laughs> Our guest speaker's here tonight. <laughs> And it's Mussolini. <laughs> you know, I mean, our guest speaker's here, and he's, you know, they go through your whole long list of accomplishments. He's killed plenty of Christians in his day. He's persecuted the church. He even burned down our last church, bless God. With us today all the way from, you know, Paul. And everybody's like, woo! And he's like, hold, 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 hold on, something's happened to me. Something's changed. See, I'm, 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 I'm being filled. I'm, I'm full now. I've been filled with the fullness of God. His Holy Spirit has filled me in my life. See, we need as the church, we need, to, we need to, to realize who we are. Stop being hopeless. Stop, stop thinking that we're incomplete. I, I'm no different than you. I struggle with that all the time. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not any different than you. I, I, I look at things that God's told me that haven't come to pass. And I, you know. But who am I to take that upon myself? See, who, who am I, to, who am I to, to, to worry about tomorrow? And say, it'll be okay if this. And say, I'll make it if it could just go this way. See, who am I to do all... No, I, I, I'm a child of God. I, I, I comprehend his love. I mean, I, I get it. I understand it. He's set me free. He's changed me. I need to change the way I think. I need to change what I'm saying. I need to change the things that I'm doing. I need to change all those things about me because I, I, I am a child of God trying to walk in the center of his will, and it's impossible for me to rest in his presence, to have him pour himself into my life to fulfillment in me if I am not open. We cry for it. We shed tears about it, but we got a lid on ourselves. With the thoughts that we're thinking, with the words that we're saying, the things that are coming out of our mouth are important. We have to realize in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceeding riches. He's going to show the exceeding riches of His glory and of His grace. That's good stuff. Now, when do you think in the ages to come might be? Hey, today, yesterday, tomorrow. And we are seated with Him. 
They're, they're, we are in a power position as the body of Christ. And in too, many, too long, too many years, we've, we've ceded that power to somebody else. Take back that power. See, we cry for the fullness. We cry for the glory. The fullness and the glory and those things came when, when, the, when the church, when, when you and I, but when the church, when, when, the, when the children of Israel were doing the right stuff, when Moses came out into that place and met with God in the temple, he was concerned about one thing. Moses was concerned about one thing, doing the will of God. He was trying to save his people plenty of times because his peeps were all making mistakes and making God mad. But he was concerned about doing what God told him to do. It wasn't about an agenda. It wasn't about something else. He didn't have a plan B. It was all about doing what God said. We need to make it about what he said. One of my favorite stories, and we'll share it and we'll close. In John chapter 2, I share this story a lot and, and always have, and really truly it's one of the first messages, I think, you know, down the road there, maybe three or four messages into this, into me preaching, you know, in 1996 or 7 or whenever that was. I, 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 this is one of, the, one of the few messages that I've lost that I don't have, and it was about being a vessel. And uh, I, you know, I just don't have it. But I, 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 God brings me back to this to this scripture in, in John in chapter two, and you know it's Jesus' first miracle, so it was you know it was it was maybe a surprise to everybody who gathered at the place, you know, who was at the wedding. Actually, if you look at it and read it, you know, it's a little kind of a surprise to Jesus because you know his mom's telling him what to do. Maybe that's why I relate. <laughs> Sorry, mom. He had a strong mom who loved him, who wanted the best things to come for him. So she told him to fix it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, but there's something about this story. When, when I read this story, when I hear this, there's something about it, you know, that just really has, has stuck with me forever. You know, I get excited when I'm doing my Bible reading and I come to John 2 or whatever. I'm just like, oh, hey, yeah, that's a story. Well, what, what, what is so special about the story? You know, I mean, it, we know it. We, we understand it was, you know, it was a wedding feast, and they'd run out of, they'd run out of wine, and, 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 you know, she told Jesus, you need to do something about this. And he said, hey, it's not my time yet. And she said, well, you guys that are around him, just do whatever he says. And there are lots of teaching points in, in, this, in this passage. You can, you can share about a lot of different things, the power of your words and all these kind of things. But, but what I continue to see and what God has continued to, to place in me is these were ordinary vessels. And, it, and to me, it speaks to me the fact that, you know what, if we will be open to allow Jesus to move and operate in our lives, to use us as just vessels, just a vessel, that's all these were. They were clay pots. They weren't special. They weren't vats. They didn't have, like, automatic, you know, fermenting on them. I mean, it, what, they didn't have anything from, from Acme, like, you know, it does in Roadrunner. I mean, this was just, these were clay pots. Nothing special about them, just like you and just like me. See, there's, there's, there, there, we're all special in God's eyes. Your mom loves you and tells you that you're the most special thing ever. But a lot of that's just to make you smile and feel good. We're just kind of normal. Like each other. We all have gifts. We all have talents. But like these clay pots, we're all the same. We're just a vessel. When it comes to the anointing and when it comes to the presence of God, when it comes to the fullness, when it comes to the power, when it comes to the all the... We, we can't conjure that up. We're just a clay pot. 
Bill Winston says, I think it's Bill Winston, he says, Lord, anoint these lips of clay as he begins to say his, his confession before he begins to speak each time. Why anoint these lips of clay? Because without that anointing, without being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are really truly just lumps of clay. We, that we're, just, we're smart. We can be trained. We can go to school. We can do stuff. You can get knowledge. But I'm going to tell you, there is something about allowing Jesus to have his way with you as a vessel. And he told those guys, take these vessels and go do what with them? Fill them up fill them up so you're a vessel I'm a vessel today he wants to he wants to fill you up and then what looked like ordinary water when it went in those pots what looked like just what I mean they just got water from the river or the well or wherever it was and they just came and they took normal water and they put it in there but see there's something about there's something about the Lord filling you up When he fills you up, whatever he fills you up with, it is special. And he has filled each and every one of us with something. Gifts and talents, yes. But I'm telling you, as we leave this place today, he wants to fill us. He wants to fill us to the point that we're full. To the fullness of God. We are filled completely with the fullness of God. Why? Because when they took that thing from that place to the master, and the master took his drink, and he took his ladle, and he took it out, and it it was water in an ordinary vessel. But when God did something, as Jesus spoke those words, God did something in that place and changed that water to wine. And out came the best wine that there ever could be. There was a miracle. It said they call it Jesus' first miracle. Well, he wants to do a miracle in your life today. He wants to do a miracle in my life, our lives, today in this place. See, he wants to fill you, an ordinary vessel, with something. To the point that, as it comes out, miracles flow. See, I know that makes us a little nervous. The miracles are going to flow. Paul was a bad guy, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His life changed in an instant. The scales fell off. He could see, and he went out and preached the gospel, and people were changed. Lives were touched. People were healed by the shadow of Paul as he walked down the street. Miracles happen when you allow God to fill you up. Amen. Let's stand up together. Woo! Show me your glory. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.